Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Let me um, direct your attention this morning to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. You, you know you live with your grandchildren when you have a cut on your finger and you go over to their house to put a Band-Aid on and you open up the Band-Aid only to find out the one you open is a Paw Patrol Band-Aid. So, yeah, kind of matches the blue, though. And I'm like, oh, man, it's a stupid Paw Patrol thing. I'm like, so what? Put it on. Amen. So I'm not preaching under the power of Paw Patrol. <laughs> Amen. Exodus 14. We've been doing a series. This will probably be the last message of the series, Stand Firm. And, um, you know, I, what I want to do this morning is we've been preaching out of Ephesians chapter 6. And... Um, where Paul talks about, you know, the armor of God that we put on. Now, let me take you to those scriptures, and then I want to show you something. So let's begin with reading Ephesians chapter 6, these verses right here. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle, remember what we talked about. That word struggle means like a wrestling match where you and your opponent are trying to throw each other down, throw each other off. And when you throw that person off and down, you grab them by the throat and you hold them there in victory. You hold them there, they're defeated, and you have them held down. You know, you used to do that to your little brother. Or your older sister did it to you. My sisters used to pick on me all the time. I had two older sisters, and they always picked on me until one day they realized, oh, my gosh, all of a sudden he grew muscles, <laughs> you know? And so that, that, well, that's interesting. Did I do that? Okay. Anyhow, this struggle. So let me read it to you. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rollers against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Let me stop there for a moment. It is amazing to me to think there are people in this world that does not think there is a spiritual battle raging. How can you look at this world and what goes on in it and not understand that there is a spiritual battle, there is an enemy, there is evil? How many believe there's evil in the world? How many believe that there is an enemy who wreaks havoc through evil? All right, and Paul says we're in the struggle against the enemy and these principalities and these powers and these darkness, all right? And he said, therefore, because of that, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. And then he tells us how to stand firm. And like we said, we have stripped away the imagery and talked about what are those things we stand firm in. We stand firm in truth. How many know truth is more than a a philosophy or more than a belief? How many know truth is a person? The truth is Jesus, all right? We stand firm in truth. We stand firm in righteousness. How many know the Bible says he is our righteousness? How many know we are the righteousness of, of God in Christ Jesus? How many know we don't stand in our own righteousness? All right, we stand firm in peace. How many know we stand firm because of the Prince of Peace? We stand in peace. And we stand firm in faith. The shield of faith, the faith that extinguishes those flames of arrows that he shoots at us. And then we stand firm, what? With the helmet of salvation, right? The helmet of salvation. It's an amazing scripture. I love it. When the Bible says that in Old Testament in Isaiah that he 
put on his helmet of salvation. How many know we put on our helmet of salvation because he put on his helmet of salvation? And then we stand firm with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That word of God that comes in and divides joint and marrow, flesh and spirit, all right? And so we stand firm in those things. But what I wanna show you this morning is how many of you like a picture to describe something? A picture to show the reality of something. And so I was praying, I was like, you know what? Exodus 14 is a picture of Ephesians 6. Exodus 14 gives us a picture of the day of evil. It gives us this picture of how the people of Israel stood in the strength of God and in his might, of how they stood in truth and righteousness, how they stood in peace, because you got to understand they were in a situation where they didn't have a whole lot of choice anyhow. You got two choices sometimes, stand or run, right? And so, so what I want to do is I want to take you on a little journey in Exodus chapter 14. And I'll begin reading, and let me just read a few verses, because let me, let me set the stage. Remember, Israel had been in Egypt for over 400 years, about 430 years. Not all those years they were slaves and captives, all right? But the last part of it, they certainly were. And they were in bondage, and they were in captivity, they were in oppression. They cried out to God. When they cried out to God, God raised up a deliverer named Moses and said, I want you to go to Egypt, and I want you to set my people free. And God would then begin to lead them. He, began, he brought all the plagues against Egypt. He brought all the judgment against Egypt and mocked the gods of Egypt. So he finally, what? Led them out of Egypt because of the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. They then exited Egypt on their way to the land of milk and honey. And when that happens, this is where I want to pick it up. Verse 1 of chapter 14. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, tell the sons of Israel to turn back and camp at Pi-Haraboth. Boy, I don't know why they just don't use normal names. Between Migdal and the sea, and you shall camp in front of Baal-Zephon, opposite of the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the sons of Israel, they're wandering aimlessly in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after them, and I will be honored through Pharaoh and his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. When the king of Egypt, now watch this, verse 5. When the king of Egypt was told the people had fled, Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart towards the people. And they said, what is this that we've done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made his chariot ready and he took his people with him. He took six, now watch this, he took 600 select chariots and he took all the other chariots of Egypt and he chased after the sons of Israel as the sons of Israel were going out boldly. Let me, can, can I just kindly meddle this morning for my moment? I'm gonna kindly meddle. Let me just give a word of advice to this house. Bring a Bible to church. Read it with me when I'm reading it. I notice many of you are staring at me. We've spoiled you with putting it on the screens all the time. The screen is not working. You need the word of God in front of you. Can I get an amen this morning? The pastor just meddled. And here's what's really cool. We live in the era of smartphones. And almost all of us can have a Bible on a smartphone. The word of God is your sword. The word of God is your sword. When I get to preach, pick up your sword and read it with me. Okay, I'm done meddling. Let me move on. <laughs> Do you understand what the word is? You know, last week we were very blessed. We had Andre here. 
And Andre is certainly gifted, and he's gifted in the, in, in the prophetic. But let me say this. While I may get up, or Troy may get up, or Peter may get up, and we may, may not be prophets as per se, when we speak the word of God, we're speaking prophecy. Amen? Okay? Because anytime this word is spoken, it comes back. It, it never comes back void, and it will do something in your life. The word of God is prophecy. The spirit of Jesus is prophecy. So just a word, all right? Now, as Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and they saw the Egyptians were marching after them. And they became frightened, very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us this way to bring us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt saying, leave us alone so we can serve the Egyptians? Imagine that. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Amazing portion of scripture. So here they are. They had the day of deliverance. The day of deliverance is when God led them out of Egypt by his presence, his power. He led them by a pillar of cloud by day, a fire by night. He led them so they could travel. He never took it away. The manifest presence of God was leading them out. Now, I mean, how many of you would be happy to leave Egypt after 430 years? How many, how many of you are happy to leave church after the pastor preaches for 45 minutes? It's like, let my people go. All right? But, 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 so so that will give you some kind of way to understand what they were going through, all right? And so here they are. They've had a day of deliverance by the power of God. And then following the day of this, this day of deliverance, all of a sudden, isn't it interesting? They had a day of evil. Now here comes Pharaoh, here comes his army, here comes his chariots. We're going to grab them, we're going to take them back into captivity, we're going to take them back into bondage. All right? Now watch with Moses. So, so Moses, he's hearing this. They're, they're, they're not happy with him. You should have let us die in Egypt. What happens? Moses looks at him, he says this. But Moses said to the people, do not fear. Stand. Everybody say Stand. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you've seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Anybody ever had a hardest time being silent? Yeah, sometimes I, I, you just can't be quiet when God needs to do the fighting. Right? But we'll get to that in a moment. All right? Now, let me start here. So here it is. Well, I don't have a thing to show you. I'll just put that down. You have it? You're always a control freak, aren't you? Fine. I'll just put it in my pocket. But I don't see it back there. I won't? Like, I'm not happy. I'm not going on until this gets fixed. <laughs> all right? Okay, here we go. So first of all, I want you to understand this, that it is often in our lives where a day of evil will follow a day of deliverance. Come on, how many of you know, how many of you know that the devil is not happy about your deliverance? How many know he's not happy about your salvation? You know, how many know oftentimes he'll let you alone until you leave him? Right? He is not happy about it. I've said this before. I used to play a lot of baseball. When I played a lot of baseball, I did a lot of pitching. When I did a lot of pitching, let me tell you who I didn't worry about. I never worried about the guy on the bench. If he was any good, he'd be in the game. Just being, I'm just telling you. I didn't worry about him. I worried about the three, four, five hitters. 
right? The enemy's not worried about you when you ain't in the game. But the moment you leave his land and you walk into God's game, he's going to come with a day of evil. You can expect that. Paul said that's what's happening in our life. We've got this struggle. And so sometimes I'm just amazed at how we Christians are so shocked that trial has come against us, that something has happened, that hardship has come. Of course it has. It's called the day of evil. Amen? And this day of evil will often cause things to happen out of our life. One of those is the day of evil will often cause a cry of fear. They saw Pharaoh and they were afraid and they cried out in fear. Has anybody here ever experienced fear? At a moment of fear, I know you're spiritual, I know. But some of you who are unspiritual, okay? Where, where maybe there has been a moment in your life, maybe it's been a health thing, a family thing, a financial thing that has caused a moment of fear in your life where you may have uttered a cry of fear. That's what they did. The day of evil will often cause a cry of doubt. Where are you, God? I thought you said you were going to deliver me, God. What are you doing, Moses? Wasn't there enough graves in Egypt? You had to bring us out here? What are you doing? You should have let us die there. Hardship has a way of bringing out what's hidden in our heart, doesn't it? This cry of evil will often cause a cry of despair. That's what they were doing. They had fear. They had doubt. They had despair. And then, here's an amazing thing. The day of evil will often cause some to desire a return to the grip of evil. Let us go back to Egypt. Let us go back to bondage. Let us go back to oppression. Let me say this to you this morning. Your best day in Egypt is not better than your worst day in freedom. Your worst day, in, your best day in Egypt is no better than your best day in God, or your worst day in God. It's amazing when you look at it. They said, we want to go back. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians. Listen to me. The moment you hear you should go back, you need to rebuke that in the name of Jesus. But it's amazing how hardship will do that. This day of evil Pharaoh in pursuit. Pharaoh in pursuit, 600 select chariots, other chariots of Egypt, offers over them. He chased after them as they were leaving, and he overtook them. And I already read you Moses' response, so I'll skip over those verses again. And he gave them a word. And here's what he told them. He said, stand still and see the salvation of your God. How do, how, let me remind you that first of all, we're going to stand in the Lord. I mean, Paul said, stand strong. stand strong in the Lord. Stand in his might. Stand strong in the Lord. Stand in his might. Stand in his truth. Stand in righteousness. Stand in peace. Stand in faith. Stand in salvation. Stand in the word of God. You see, here I'm going to show you a picture of what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 6. So here we go. For first of all, here's what we know. You stand strong in the strength of God. Amen? You, you stand strong in his strength. God had already exercised his might against Egypt. Let me tell you how much might Israel had. None. Let me tell you how much power they had to win a military battle. None. Let me tell you what they didn't have. Swords, armor, shields. They had nothing. All right? They had nothing by which they in the natural could defeat Pharaoh, let me say this to you this morning. You have nothing in your natural person that can defeat the enemy. 
You have nothing in your natural ability. You might think you are, but I'm telling you, you're being deceived. You have nothing in your natural self that can defeat the enemy of your soul. All right? Now, but because how many know one of the tricks he brings against you is to get you to rely on self, is to get you to rely on your strength, is to get you to rely on your own ability, right? They were only free because he exercised his might against the enemy. Now, now what, what did Paul say? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It doesn't say be strong in self. It doesn't say it's be strong in your own ability. It doesn't say to be strong in your natural man. It says you be strong in his strength and in his might. All right? Now, I, I, we're saying, well, that's pretty elementary. Well, it is for some. Okay? All right? Now, think about this. You stand firm and strong in his strength. You stand strong, the Bible says what? In his armor. Right? All that armor he talks about which is truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, word of God. You stand strong in his armor, not yours. Think about this. They didn't have any armor. They didn't have any chariots. They didn't have any swords. They didn't have any shields. Matter of fact, you know what they left with? They left Egypt with silver, gold, and fabric. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If I'm going into battle, my first stop is not Joanne Fabric. <laughs> Come on, George, give me an amen. I'm at the house yesterday morning. I'm out on the deck, studying a little bit, doing a little work. Pay said, I'm going to run down to Joanne Fabric. God bless you. Have peace on your journey. Not going. Do you understand? I can go almost to any store in Altoona with my wife and find something to occupy my time. There is nothing in Joanne Fabric for me to occupy my time. I mean, there is nothing, all right? And so I'm just like, nah, I ain't going. I love you. Okay, have a nice trip. You will be happier without me, and I will be happier not going to Joanne Fabric. They left Egypt with bolts of fabric <laughs> and silver and gold. But I want you to understand, the reason they plundered silver, gold, and fabric from Egypt was those would be the items by which they would worship God later on. And how many know the, the, the weapons of your worship are far greater than the weapons of his warfare? Come on. Your weapons of your worship are greater than his weapons of his warfare against you. All right? And, and, and so, so now Paul says, you put on this armor of God. Look at this. This is what they're putting on. All right? He, he says, truth. They were, led, they were led out by truth. So now they would stand in truth. Do you understand this morning that they weren't just led out by a, by a philosophy or a statement or a doctrine. They were led out by the one who is truth, right? It was the truth of God operating in their life, all right? They were made righteous by the blood of the lamb where it was put on the doorpost and they were made righteous. They were made righteous by the blood of the lamb and they would now stand in that righteousness. I'm out here because of what you did back there and I'm gonna stand in this righteousness. Understand, ladies and gentlemen, that when the day of evil comes, you have a place to stand. It's not in your righteousness because the Bible says to me that your righteousness is as filthy rags to him. But when you stand in his righteousness, how many of you know you're standing somewhere? All right, so, so, so he, this, is, this is all amazingly how you can see it in Exodus 14. You see, the faith that led them from Pharaoh would be the faith they would stand against Pharaoh. It takes faith to leave Egypt. I just talked to you about it at the offering. There was meat in Egypt. 
Remember when they got into numbers, when they started complaining? We remember the onions we had in Egypt, the leeks and the garlic and the meat. Oh, it was so glorious. No, it wasn't. It was bondage. It was oppression. It was hardship. Their babies were being killed. Their women were being raped. It wasn't good, right? And yet it's amazing how we will fantasize the past sometimes. But it took faith to leave Egypt. But that same faith that they led out of there would be the same faith they would stand in the day of evil. The word, they had a word. They had words. Paul said, stand strong in the word. They had a word. How many know they had numbers of words? They had the word of the present, the word of the past. And all of a sudden, you've got to remember this, that when you're looking at this, God made a promise to Abraham. God made a promise to Abraham. God made a promise to Isaac. God made a promise to Jacob. God made a promise to Moses at the burning bush. You see, how many know they were standing upon the word of God? Right? And listen to me. How many of this morning have a word that God has given you in the past? Okay, some of you really need to get your Bible out then. I'm not talking about, I'm just telling you that if you will, if you will avail yourself to God, God will speak to you. And let me tell you what God does. You see, for them, they had promises. All through the scripture, they had promises of God. This word of God. The word of God that was spoken to their forefathers. The word of God spoken to them. And now they had another word from God. You see, they would stand upon a promise that came from God to an earlier generation. I believe today, I'm 55 years old. I'll be 56 next year, next week. <laughs> Listen, allow me some grace. I'm a heart patient now, okay? For <laughs> my excuse for everything I did at home. <laughs> this is great. I'm getting mileage out of this one. Like the first year I was the pastor here, I blamed everything on Rex. It was great. <laughs> now I just blame everything on the heart, <laughs> okay? Just kidding, kind of. They had this word. I believe today at 56 years of age, there are some words I stand on today that were promised to a mother and a father of an earlier generation. I believe that in this church that we and you and I get to stand on words that were given to earlier generations. Amen? Some of you are standing today on words that were given to mom and dad or grandma or grandma. You're standing upon promises that are made. How many know God is a promise maker? How many know God is a promise keeper? Right? Long, long before there was the promise keepers movement, God was a promise keeper. Right? And they would stand upon this. They had a word. Because listen to me. The word made of the past is a word in the present. Listen to me. There are times in your life where the day of evil comes and you need to stand there and you need to say, no, this is what the word of God said. This is what the promise of God was. This is what God said to me 10 years ago. This is what God said to me five years ago. This is what God said to me 20 years ago. This is what God said to my mother. This is what God said to my father. I'm standing now on a word of God made then. Do you got any of those? Do you got any? Well, if you don't have any, let me give you an idea. Make some for your kids. Make some for your generation. You see, because I want to show you something. The word of God in your present is a word for you to stand in your future. Today's word will be tomorrow's strength. Today's word will be tomorrow's hope. Today's word will be tomorrow's promise. Today's word, you might face hardship. You might face difficulty. You may face a day of evil. And you remember the words you got today.
Jojo, you got a word of God today. You got a word from God today. In your future, you will need that word. That future, this present word today will be future strength someday. Do you understand how it works? We're standing in the word of God. Okay, stop getting excited, Pastor. Calm down. You're a heart patient now. <laughs> hey, if you think I believe that nonsense, you think again. God's just replumbed me. I'm ready to go. All right, there we go. Come on. Listen, you stand strong. Now watch this. So, we're, okay, here they are. They're at the Red Sea. Here comes Pharaoh. But that isn't where the battle was. Oh, that might have been where it was manifested. But that's not where the battle was. The battle was in the heavenly realm. The battle was in the spiritual realm. The battle was in the spirit realm manifesting itself. And, and so what does that tell me? It tells me this, that you and I, you stand strong on the earth while God wins the battle in the spirit realm. Right? But what happens? It is the earthly realm that impacts us and discourages us and causes us to spare and causes us to fear. And yet we have to understand what Paul said. Our battle's not against flesh and blood. This wasn't a battle between Pharaoh and God. This was a battle between the devil and God. Do you understand this morning that your battle is not your neighbor? Well, maybe mine is. Eric's my neighbor. It's not your neighbor. It's not flesh and blood. It's the spirit realm. It's the enemy of your soul. And he says to them, oh, by the way, I love, you got to love what Moses says. Moses says what? He says, the Lord will fight for you while you remain silent. You ever just want to tell some people be quiet? I know you're thinking that right now. <laughs> right? Like, like, did you ever try to help somebody and you're really trying to help them and they just won't be quiet? You're like, be quiet, I'm trying to help you. It's hard to save a drowning man when a drowning man is fighting you. Right? God says, because listen to me. Silence is so often a sign of strength. I, 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 how many of you watch, used to watch Mike and Mike in the morning? Any sports fans here? Mike and Mike in the morning, Mike Golick. Mike Golick was a defensive lineman. Mike Golick always said this, okay? He always talked about football players. And he said, the farther away from the ball you get, the bigger their mouths are. <laughs> he says, the guys that do all the chirping are the wide receivers who are the farthest from the ball. When you, the closer you get to the ball, the less you talk. So that was interesting. If you ever, <laughs> I shouldn't say this, because I'm, I'm sure none of you will be there. But if you ever have ever in a bar, don't fight the silent guy. <laughs> Can I get an amen from some who know what I'm talking about? Okay. The dude that ain't saying nothing, that's just looking at you, don't fight him. He's going he's gonna to kill you. That one that's doing all the chirping, you can take him out. <laughs> and, you, and there are some people in here who know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, listen to me. There, there's something. I, I don't need to talk. I don't need to. I don't need to. I know what's inside of me. You see, he said, and be silent. 
Huh. And be silent. You stand strong in silence while God will roar from heaven on your behalf. I, I wonder sometimes if we drown out him. How many of you know the devil recognizes that voice? When the God of heaven roars on your behalf. When the God of heaven says, I've had enough. When the God of heaven says, now I'm going to step. You stand silent. You be quiet. I got this. I'm arguing on your behalf. Silence has a way of showing security. Silence has a way of showing strength. Silence has a way of showing faith sometimes. Silence has a way of showing something inside of you that knows the reality and truth. And then watch what happens. And it's so amazing what happens in this scripture. Verse 19 goes on and says, And the angel of the Lord, who had been going before the camp of Israel, now moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel. And there was a cloud along with the darkness. And that cloud gave light at night. I mean, clouds don't give light at night. Have you seen clouds give light at night? Thus, the one did not come near the other all night. Hmm. Isn't it funny? The cloud that brings you light is the same cloud that blinds the eyes of darkness. See, when you stand in his might and you stand in his armor, you are standing behind him as he stands between you and evil. I like this picture. Uh, I just, I just, come here, Rick. Come here. I just love this picture. You get to be God today. Oh. All right. Let's see. Who do we want to make evil? Dick's a banker. That'll work. <laughs> I'm just picking on you, buddy. Listen to me. I'm the people of Israel. I'm God's child. That's evil. The day of evil is here. This is God between me and him. And, uh, that's right. And, and, I'm, and I'm like this. <laughs> I ain't saying a word. <laughs> because I'm not standing in my strength. I'm standing in his might. And he is standing between me and evil. Listen to me. He hasn't moved. He's still standing between you and the enemy. He's still standing between you and the one who wants to destroy you. See, patting the butt when you come up here. All right? Listen to me this morning. Where is your God? He is between you and that which would destroy you. Come on, church. This isn't just a fairy tale out of Scripture. This is the reality of God. This is Ephesians 6 in flesh. Ephesians 6 in action. You stand in his light while God brings darkness to the enemy. How cool is that? Like, look, here, comes, here comes this cloud. You guys are all in darkness. You're in light. Man. How many know he knows how to throw the enemy into confusion? He knows how to blind the enemy. How many know you don't have to be afraid of a blinded enemy? And then watch what happens. This is really, it gets really good, I'm just telling you. If you don't believe me, read it, right? And then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord swept the sea back by a strong east wind. 
And all night he turned the sea into dry land so the waters were divided. Isn't it amazing how God uses the creation of his hand, which is nature, to drive back spiritual forces? The sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on dry land and the waters were like a wall to them on their right and left. Then the Egyptians took up pursuit and all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots and his horsemen went in after them. How many of you say, sucker? God just set a trap. <laughs> all right. And went in after them. Let me tell you something. Sometimes I just think the devil's dumb. Like you're Pharaoh. You're chasing these people whose God has just wreaked havoc on your land. You've had frogs all over the place. You've had gnats all over the place. The Nile turned to blood. You've had just everything. And now you're chasing them. And these people that you're chasing, Moses lifts up a stick. And when he lifts up a stick, the Red Sea parts in front of him. And you're going to follow them in? Does anybody think that's dumb? I just think that's incredibly dumb. Right? Reminds me of a story once. I come, I come home, young, 18 years old, 17 years old, from a long day at the tire business and was snowing like crazy, had a big blizzard. And I come up over the hill and I could see where the tire business was, the shop, and, and I saw where it was and, and, I, and I saw my son, my, my brother-in-law's truck stuck in the big snow drift in front of the garage. And then I saw somebody else's truck was stuck next to him because he didn't make it through either. And so what do you do when you see both of them stuck? You prove that you can make it through. And I rammed into that sucker and I got stuck too. <laughs> Why? Because I'm dumb too. <laughs> Common sense would have said, don't go through there. And I can make it. <laughs> God sets a trap in and he says, hey, I'm here. Watch what it says. And he caused, and the morning watch, the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and brought the army of the Egyptians into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve and he made them drive with difficulty. So the Egyptians said, <laughs> duh, all right, they went, duh, let us flee from Israel for the Lord is fighting for them against us. <laughs> no kidding, Right? Think about this. But here's what you got to understand. Here's what incredibly cool. So they're coming out. The day of evil comes. They're standing firm in everything. They're his strength, his might, his truth, their faith. All right? Standing firm in the word that is made to them. And now the enemy follows them. And it's their stand, our stand, your stand. Brings a revelation to the enemy that God is fighting for you. There's fear in the heart of the enemy of a person who allows God to fight for them. Do you understand that when the enemy sees you standing in his strength, he sees you differently? Hmm? Bless you, Lindsay. <laughs> I just looked over and she sneezed. Can't get away with anything, can you? And what are you doing on that side of the church? That is like new character. You've crossed over the Red Sea. <laughs> I'd like to tell you you're in the Canaan, but you're actually in the Tyrone section, all right? All of a sudden, they got this revelation. God is fighting for them. Do you understand that there are times in your life where your stand will bring a revelation to the enemy, but it will also bring a revelation to those around you that your God is working on your behalf? 
Come on, how many know our testimony sometimes is a witness to others of God's might? Because now they, they, they again, being the geniuses that they are, they follow them in. And you know, God destroys them, brings the Red Sea back, crushes them, killing them. Isn't it crazy? The path God used for their victory is the path he used for the enemy's defeat. You, you see, in your life, there may be a path that doesn't make sense to you that God makes a way. And when God makes that way, you walk down that path. And that path that leads to your victory is actually the path that leads to his defeat. How many know the path called Calvary that brings us salvation was the path that brought defeat to the enemy? It brought defeat to sin. It brought defeat to death. Come on, church. We walk down a path that brought defeat to the enemy. I stand firm in that today. Your victory in God is always a defeat to the enemy. The Bible says he came to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. His job, his thing is to steal from you, to kill from you, to destroy. And every victory you have in Christ, in God, is his defeat. It's his defeat. When he has tried to take your joy and God gives you the joy that passes all understanding, when God gives you the joy that becomes your strength, when he gives you the joy that's unexplainable, when he gives you joy that you can't say why it's there, I can tell you about that joy. When he gives you the peace that passes all understanding in the midst of trials and hardship and difficulty. Hmm? Your victory in him is always a defeat to the enemy. You see, what we have to understand, what we gotta come back to, is understanding this, the day of evil cannot stand against the day of the Lord. Therefore, what do we do? We stand. We stand. It's a day of evil. My life has been hit by evil. Some of your lives have been hit by evil. But that day of evil cannot stand against the day of my God, the day of my Lord. I told you this story before, but some of you never heard this story. I wasn't planning on sharing, but let me share it to you. After the death of our son, it was that week, and God gave me that dream. It was six years ago, six and a half years ago. And you know what? I still stand on that dream that came from God because it was a word from God. And that dream came, and it was you and I, this church, was in, a, it was in this like parking garage of a mall. I don't ask me why. I probably ate pizza for that part. And we're in this parking garage like a mall, and, and, and we have evil on the run. And there's this personification, this person, and he was the personification of evil. And he appeared evil, and I can tell you what he looked like, and I can still tell you his eyes, and I can still tell you about his hair. And we had him on the run, and, and every time he would try to escape, I would point, and somebody would cut him off, and somebody from the church would cut him off there, and somebody would cut him off there. And all of a sudden, in a moment of anger and frustration, he turns and he looks at me and he comes to me and he pulls a gun and he shoots me and he shoots me and he shoots me. But he didn't shoot me in the heart. That would kill me quick. And he didn't shoot me in the head. That would kill me quick. But he deliberately aimed at the kidneys or some of those areas where I would die. But it would be a slow, bloody, painful death. And I remember laying there on the floor of that parking garage. And I remember this going through my mind. I'm going to die here in my own blood. And all of a sudden, the word of the Lord spoke and says, you're not going to die. You're going to live. 
dream over. That was a word of God. That's the word of God. You, you see, and I say that to you to say sometimes you got to have a word to stand on. That the day of evil comes, but I cannot stand against the day of the Lord. Therefore, what do we do? Stand. We stand. I'm going to hurry up. And go, hurry up. Okay, everybody say, please do. Don't you do it. And, and I'll say those magical words in a few moments. You know what they are. You see, the promise was, Moses said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Moses said, stand still. The promise was, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And at the end of the day, they saw the promise that they stood upon. God, you said, stand, and we would see your salvation. We're going to stand. And they saw the salvation. Sometimes we don't see the promise because we don't stand long enough. Sometimes we don't see what we're waiting to see because we haven't stood long enough. But I promise you this, you stand, you will see the promise that he makes. You see, when you stand, and then, so, so what happens then? It's an amazing thing because this is how I'm gonna kind of end this series. You see, you stand firm, the day of evil comes and this day of evil comes at you. And you stand firm in truth. You stand firm in faith. You stand firm in the word. You stand firm in peace and righteousness. You stand firm with the sword of the spirit. You stand firm in salvation. And God is working on your behalf. And God is standing between you and the enemy that would destroy you. And all of a sudden in that moment, you see your salvation. You see your deliverance. You see your breakthrough. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to sing. You're going to sing. And if you don't, there's something wrong with you. Listen to me. Because when you stand in the day of evil, you will sing in the day of deliverance. Right? They crossed over that Red Sea. Exodus 15. Then they sang a song. Come on, man. Listen to me. The time, listen. The time of standing brings you to a time of singing. If you will stand, you will sing. There's a time to stand. And there is a time to be silent. And there is a time to sing. And this morning I say to you, now is that time. Come on, church. There is only a period of time to be silent. And that's while he's winning the battle. But when the battle is won, it is time to lift up a voice of singing. Come on, Troy. There you go. Come on, Troy. There's your favorite magical words of the day. Come on, Troy. Come on, skinny Troy. Listen to me, church. I want to read you a couple verses. This is not a raw, raw sermon. This is a truth sermon. This is something that needs to be in your spirit, that deep in your spirit. And it's so deep. I can just imagine. Listen to me. Here's Israel, hundreds of years of captivity, delivered by the power of God. The day of evil has pursued them. Pharaoh's going to take them back to bondage. People are going to be killed. And God roars from heaven, blinds the darkness, destroys the enemy. And the people of God cross over, no longer to be bondage to Egypt. And what do they do when they get across there? Oh, thank you, Jesus, for that wonderful salvation. They give God a little golf clap. Oh, Jesus, thank you for that wonderful salvation. Oh, that was so beautiful. Wasn't that so good, Brother Troy? Wasn't it amazing how 
God destroyed the works of the enemy. No, 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 not that group. They sang, they shouted, they danced. I'll promise you. Listen to what they said. Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang a song. I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. Come on, all of a sudden the experience of their life and the deliverance and the salvation burst forth in song. Oh, come on. What did they sing? I will sing because he's highly exalted. The horse and the rider have been hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He's become my salvation. This is my God. I will praise him. My Father's God. I will extol him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. And the choices of his officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep covers him. They went down to the depth like a stone. Your right hand is majestic. Your right hand shatters the enemy. Oh, come on, church. Anybody in here got a song? Anybody got a song of deliverance? Anybody got a song of salvation this morning? You know, I read a dumb article years ago. It was a dumb article. And I know the guy who wrote it is supposed to be a great author. It was still a dumb article. Why men stop singing in church? And they gave all these stupid answers. Men stop singing in church when the song in their heart stops. It's not about the screen. It's not about the words. It is about the song that lives inside of you. It is about the song of deliverance. It is about the song of salvation. If you stop singing, that's because you stopped witnessing your salvation. You stopped experiencing it. You stopped seeing what God did in your life. I cannot help but sing. My soul, my soul must sing. My soul, my soul must sing. My soul, my soul must sing. My God, my God. My God has been good to me through thick and thin, through hard and tough, through easy and hard. My God has been good to me and I will sing and I will shout and I will not worry about a heart and I will, I will sing and I will shout. Come on, church. This is not a sermon. This is life. This is not a sermon founded upon Scripture. This is a sermon founded upon the Word of God in my life. I will sing. I will sing. And it is time today to sing. It is not a time to be silent. It is not a time. It is a time to sing this morning. Yeah, I'm a little worked up, ain't I? Ha ha. Come on, church. Come on, church. He says, what? He says, look. He says, you stretched out your hand. You swallowed them up. Your loving kindness led them there. Come on, church, this morning. <laughs> sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and the rider have been thrown into the sea. What do we do in this day? What do we do in this hour? You might be going through it. Hell might have came against you. All hell might have been let loose. You plant your feet and you stand your ground. If you will plant your feet and you will stand your ground, you will have a day of singing. You will have a day of shouting. You will have a day of praising. And this morning, I would say to you this morning, it is time that you stand for this morning. Stand, church. Come on, Troy. Come on, this morning, I want you to do something with me. You, you see, we just made a declaration. That says, I'm going to stand. And sometimes you just have to say, I'm going to stand. And that's what we say. But let me tell you why I stand. Because it's my God, my Jesus, who makes the enemy tremble. He's not trembling in me. He's trembling in him. You see, I, I want you to do something with me for a moment. All right? I, I'm, I'm weird. I know. Deal with it. But I want you to just say to me, say with me this morning. I want you to do what I do and say what I say. I'm going to stand. I want you to Some of you I know are too dignified to do it. You'll be all right. God's going to deliver you today. And I'm standing. 
He's tried to take me out. He's tried to knock me down. That's what you're saying to yourself. He's tried to, he's tried to destroy me. He's tried to destroy me. He's thrown everything at me, but I'm going to stand. I'm not going to be moved. I'm going to stand in faith. I'm going to stand in his righteousness. I'm going to stand on his word. I'm not going to be moved. I'm planting my feet. I'm fixing my feet. I'm standing firm because he's going to roar. It is Jesus who's going to cause the enemy to tremble. Come on, Tabby. Come on, Troy. Let's sing this. Sing the name of Jesus. Today I say to you that some of you have been living under a cloud, but it's been the wrong cloud. It's been the cloud of depression. It's been the cloud of despair. It's been the cloud of confusion and the cloud of doubt. And God says, I want you to live under the cloud, but it's not the cloud of those things. It's under the cloud of my presence. If you'll live under the cloud of my presence, you will live in a light of that I produce. You will live under the cloud that produces light in your life, and that will produce uh, uh, darkness to the enemy. You've been under a cloud. You know what a cloud feels like. But God says, step under the cloud of my presence. Step under the cloud that is my presence in your life, and you will have light and you will be able to see clearly and you will have peace and you will have rest because my light brings those things into your life. Oh. People tremble, not at you, but at me. He will tremble at me who stands between you and him. And the Bible says that they did not come near each other the whole time that the cloud and the angel stood between the darkness of hell and God's people. And it's not because his cloud hasn't been in your life, it's because you have stepped out from under that cloud and into the other clouds. And God says, come back under this one. Come back under me. Come back under my presence. Come back under. Come back under. says today that day of that one day that you've been going over and over and over is over that day is over the day of singing is here the day of shouting is here the day of praise is here the day of worship is here the day of freedom is here Clouds be gone. Clouds of depression be gone this morning. Clouds of despair. Clouds of clouds of confusion. Clouds of doubt. Clouds of wrong decisions. Clouds gone today. The clouds have created shadows of things that look good, but those are not things that are good. But his cloud will reveal them for what they are. Because it's true light. Oh, darkness is trembling, folks. Darkness is trembling 
at the presence of Jesus this morning. devil thought when Job said even if he kills me I'll serve him <laughs> you just can't do something with a guy like that like you just can't you can't, you can't you, 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 there's no answer to that <laughs> this day you stand this day you sing. Father, I speak your word over this body. Your word, your word, your word. It's not my word, it's your word. And your word will always produce that which you intended to produce. And we would say this morning, we are the soil that wants to receive your word. We would say this morning that we have a word now for our future. We have a word now that even came from our past. And we stand upon those words today. This day, we don't stand in our own might. We don't stand in our own strength. We stand in your strength and we stand in the power of your might. We stand in your armor. every person in here know what it is to stand in the salvation of the Lord. The salvation bought at Calvary. If you haven't, you haven't ever done that this morning, you just simply say it in your heart right now. You just confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you're saved. It's that simple this morning. Between you and God that you make it right with him and you say, God, Jesus is Lord. And I believe he raised him from the dead. You've just stepped into his salvation. So, Father, bless your people this week as they stand and sing. Stand and sing. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And all the saints said, Amen. All the standing saints said,